0: Hey friends, welcome to But What If You Did? On this pod, we are all about some serious millennial real talk and diving into those uncomfortable topics we've been conditioned to believe we just shouldn't talk about. I'm your host, Allison, and right now, when I look around, I see so many millennials trying to navigate these big life transitions. And well, if that isn't you, maybe you just have this gut feeling that it's time to pivot, but you're standing in your own way because you just don't know where to start. Maybe this isn't what you want to hear, but successfully navigating any big life change starts with putting in the work to learn about yourself. If you want to level up in life, it starts with learning to be self-aware and building those life skills that we simply weren't taught in the classroom. So are you committed to doing the uncomfortable growth work? Well, if that was a hell yes, then grab some coffee and let's get ready to dive right in. Hey, friends, welcome back to another episode of But What If You Did. I'm Allison, and well, 2021 is off to quite the start. I know we talked last week that 2021 wasn't changing a lot from 2020, and well, a lot has happened. That's really proved that to be the case. So um, I had a different episode planned for this week, and we were going to keep diving into Redefining Passion And then um, it is now Thursday and um, yesterday was the day that the Capitol was overthrown by a lot of people. And suddenly it felt a little more important to divert from your regularly scheduled programming and to have a conversation about what I would consider to be the hard stuff. Because if there's one thing I've promised you with this podcast, it's that we are going to always talk about the hard stuff because millennials don't like talking about the hard stuff and we need to practice getting better at that. So um, I sent a quick DM last night to my friend Lisa Hanback, who joined me back in November, um, right around the election, to talk about all things millennials and politics. And um, we are coming at you with a real, live, raw conversation that is very unplanned uh, (laughs) to Kind of talk about what went on yesterday and um, how we're hearing that millennials are processing it and what we can do differently in the future. And um, yeah, so welcome back to the show, Lisa. Thanks for having me, Allison. Uh, What a time to be alive! (laughs) What a time (laughs) to be alive. <laughs> yes. Um, so, for those who may not have um, listened to our episode that aired around the election, first of all, I'd like to direct you back to that one because it was a really good one, and you should definitely check it out. But also, um, why don't you tell them just a little bit about yourself? Uh, sure. Yeah. Again, my name is Lisa Handback.
1: I've been working in politics, I would say, in some capacity for the past four years or so. Um, in the form of working for different political organizations, and um, now as a political consultant and analyst. And uh, but but before that, I was not political whatsoever. It wasn't until the 2016 election that I decided that I was going to jump into something that I knew nothing about. Um, but I've learned to I learned a lot about and loved and um, and the importance of it. And uh, yeah, I'm just excited to be talking about this with you today.
0: Yeah. So, um, okay. so for those who I mean, we all know that the capital was overthrown, that there's a lot of crazy, crazy things happening in the country right now. But can you talk a little bit about some of like the bigger, the newer terminology that's being thrown around, I should say, in the moment? Because I feel like there's a lot of words flashing across the news right now that if you're just starting to dip your toes in politics and really understand the political world, you may not be familiar with.
1: Yeah, absolutely. So essentially what happened yesterday, um, first, let me kind of take a step back. So the Electoral College, as we all know, we know, well, we mostly know the Electoral College, we have our popular vote and we have our electoral vote. Um, as as, it's, as it stood and as it stands now, Joe Biden won both the popular vote and the Electoral College vote. There were Republicans, uh, many Republicans, including President Trump, who were saying that there were uh, fraudulent Votes there were all kinds of voter fraud, as they were saying in these various swing states where the electoral votes did go to Joe Biden you know which obviously gave him uh, the win and so what was happening yesterday was that Congress was voting to certify those electoral votes now the president is still saying that and other Republican uh, politicians are have been saying that you know they stand by the fact that there was fraud even though that's been thrown out and courts all over the country. um, And, you know, in various ways, there's been no actual proof that there has been any kind of sweeping voter fraud that would have changed the outcome of the election. So yesterday, the Congress was going to vote to certify the election results, which would then make, you know, President-elect Joe Biden and President Vice President-elect Kamala Harris, our next president, vice president. And so President Trump had called for Um, a rally of sorts um, for yesterday when this was going to be happening um, in DC and people from all over the country came. It was, it was a planned event. People, um, my Congressman Mo Brooks uh, was one of the speakers there. And uh, so it was very much, a. they knew it was happening. It wasn't like a bunch of people just showed up randomly in DC and this chaos ensued. This was a, this was an event President Trump had a lot of very <clears throat> inciting language again reiterating the fact that the election was stolen from them very much what a lot a lot of people would consider was kind of riling up the crowd um, and These are you know very uh, hardcore trump supporters, this crowd of people and he it, towards the end of his remarks to the crowd he said let 's let 's go down pennsylvania avenue let 's go to the capitol." And so people then proceeded to go to the Capitol. He did not go himself, but these people did. And after a few hours of them being outside, they were somehow able to breach the security, which was very low, if you, any of the news that you saw, that it it was very surprising, I think, to a lot of people of how little of security that there was for this type of an event. They were overwhelmed. I mean, they even said, the Capitol Police said that they were overwhelmed by the people and they broke in caused a lot of damage, you know, and, and this was in during session when this was happening. So they then had to take all the Congress people in the Senate who were in the midst of our, you know, of discussing the electoral votes had to be sequestered into an undisclosed location of the Capitol for safety measures because they, they breached in all areas of, um, of the Capitol. They were breaking in through glass windows and crawling in. Uh, They were in speaker Uh, Nancy Pelosi's office. They were carving into things and removing things from the Capitol. Um, It was it was a really disturbing sight.
0: Yeah. So I know you know we've been hearing a lot of like like I said like words like sedition and think and I just think that some of those you know some of that language is pretty pretty new because it this is I mean we are seeing these larger scale political events sadly becoming more regular to us. However. Um, up until this point in our lives, we really haven't had a lot of that. So I feel like we haven't, I mean, we haven't really, we haven't seen that, right, in our lifetime so far. So for those of us that are not as politically active and or are just learning to get our, you know, to start to make our mark in the political world or become more engaged and less passive in how we're reacting, I think that um, a lot of it is learning the terminology and really grounding yourself in, um how our government is truly built. So can you talk about a couple of like, you know, like sedition and some of these other terms that are just being thrown all over the news right now that people might be less familiar with?
1: Yeah, absolutely. Um, Insurrection is really the main um, phrase that I've heard being used. Mm -hmm. Um, That seems to be pretty agreed upon across the board what this was. Um, That's essentially, I mean, by definition, a violent uprising against an authority or government. Which is what this was, um, people that were that had breached into the Capitol, um, outside the Capitol, and in the Capitol were were yelling and saying this is a revolution. They were there to stop the. I mean, that was their purpose for being there was to stop the count and the you know confirmation of the electoral votes. That was their reason for being there. Um, so that that's definitely what this was. Um, sedition or seditious language um, that was being used is. Essentially, you know, insightful language. So, a lot of people, I've had a, I've had conversations about this, which we can we can get into later. But um, with people about what what can be considered insightful language, because you know, someone could say something not meaning. You know, it, did President Trump tell these people to go storm the Capitol and do what they did? Did he say that verbatim? No. But could what he said in, in the midst of what we were dealing with in that situation where you have a lot of, you know, emotions, you know, running high mm-hmm. and, you know, in these people who truly believe that they were robbed of an election um, to say some of the things that he said. I know I personally believe and a lot of others do that this was, this was insightful language um, and seditious language that encouraged this type of behavior. So, um, so yes, I think um, I think, yeah, I think I've heard the the word insurrection quite a lot today. I'm sure a lot of people have too um, in the past 24 hours. But yeah, so it was definitely a violent attack on our government and our, honestly, our democracy.
0: Yeah, I think, so when we had last talked, um, you know, we talked a little bit about like how we've noticed that it's hard for our generation to become involved in politics. And I think that something that I've noticed is that millennials have a really hard time connecting to something unless they have like a deep-seated why or like they see a direct connection to their life. Like it, they become very, especially in the last year, like I feel like we've become so numb to like some of these like big events and stuff that it's like our natural instinct is to retreat, just let, watch it from afar, to kind of step back, to play more of a passive role in it. And I think some of that is like, how we were brought up and just the life events that we faced up into that. But I think that we're noticing more and more, especially, you know, from when we last spoke in October leading up to the election to now, um, the importance of political activism and of playing more of that um, active role and less of that like passive role. But I think that, you know, millennials are still generally struggling to kind of put themselves out there and to really get involved and to really understand what it means. And it's not that we, not that everyone needs to be out there. Like there are different levels to this, right? Like you've said before, um, it's not necessarily that you have to be like balls to the walls, like (laughs) involved, but it's also not one of those things where like, you're just going to sit on the sidelines and wait. Like there, there are, there is a middle ground to getting involved in understanding politics. Um, But I want to get into a little bit you know, just getting to the root of this, like, uncomfortableness that, like, millennials face when it comes to facing some of these things surrounding politics and activism and um, talking about how we can help each other find ways to work through this um, in more productive manners and really start to take that accountability and ownership for what's going on in our world and country. Yeah,
1: absolutely. And I think, and I think we talked about this before, Allison, where, we're the generation of 9-11. And I mean that, not that anyone who was existing in the world, you know, in, in America at that time didn't experience it as well. But I think right. we were at a very formative time um in our lives when that kind of occurrence yep. happened. And I think that was one of those things. And then the reaction and then our you know, America's reaction to that, you know, we were it's like we were old enough to know what was going on, but not quite old enough to really comprehend comprehend it. And it was scary and hard and Um, And and I mean, it was a individually and collectively kind of like what we're going through right now, a traumatic event. And and I think um, I mean, I'm not going to say that's the root of the issues for all millennials. But but I mean that I do think that that does play a role in it. And I and I think to your point, too, um, you know, I think a lot of people do think, you know, that they see what's happening on the news and they're either just overwhelmed by it. Um, you yeah. don't know. And, and like you, like you said, you know, hard to find the connection of like either how is it affecting you or how can I affect it? Cause yeah. Cause I think some yeah. people think they have to be these social
0: justice warriors or nothing. Yeah. We all. don't really know how to go <laughs> like, yeah, exactly. yeah, we don't. We, 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 go we don't our, do this like middle ground thing. Well, we're either like passionate and all in it. And we've got our pitchforks and we're ready to go. Yeah. or we're sitting in the car in the back seat hoping that it ends quickly. Exactly.
1: Yeah, we're hard in the paint or we're not in the game. Like it's just yeah. one or the
0: other. <laughs> like
1: Yeah. And um and that's and that's a great thing about millennials that we are very pa- we're a very compassionate gr- and passionate group of people. Um and have done and will continue to do really great things. And I think when it comes to things like this, I think we have to really break it down. Cause when you look, cause again, like when yes. you look at it all on the news and every, every, cause it's everywhere, right. It's yeah. everywhere, especially now. Um, it's, it does feel very overwhelming. I mean, I, this is what I do for a living and it feels very overwhelming to me sometimes. So I totally yeah. understand. Um, it's a lot, it's a lot to take in, but I think if you can kind of just Take a step back a little bit and think about, um, I really, when I talk to my friends about it, um, about this type of thing, I really encourage them to think of, okay, we can't all do everything. Sometimes we want to be able to do everything, but that's just not realistic, right? Like we're all Mm -hmm. working. We have some of us have families, you know, we're doing all kinds of things. Um, Think about kind of like, do I do well with lists? I don't know if everybody else is a list person, but. Oh, Yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> we're, we're all about lists here. Great. Um, so oh, yeah, <laughs> we live off lists here on this podcast. <laughs> yes. Yes. My people. Okay. Um, <laughs> and so, um, so I, I, genuinely encourage people to kind of make a list of like, what are things that are really important to you? Make, make that list. It can be, it could be two things. It could be 10 things, whatever it is. Um, and then kind of look at that and say, okay, I can't do all of this, but these, these two things are really, really important to me so now what are some things that I can do? Like, so say, um, because again, electoral politics is not for everyone. I totally Mm -hmm. understand that. Yeah. yeah, I don't, I don't judge anybody for that. Um, so maybe there's a particular issue that's important to you. Um, maybe it's like the environment, right. The, you you know, you know, we all know climate change is a a big thing. It's a huge thing and it's going to really affect us and the generations behind us. Right. So, um, so kind of looking at things, is there something local you can get involved in? Is there an organization that you can maybe throw five, $10 to a month, um, mm-hmm. you know, or volunteer some time
0: with, or yes, if you don't have, yeah. Some,
1: yeah, there's always time and money. Those are, those things are so yep. valuable to any organization or cause. Yep. Um, and, um, and, and look for people you know, that have, you know, those mutual, you know, because just like kind of like going to the gym, right? It's always nice when you have kind of like an account of what I call an accountability buddy um, yep. to go with you. <laughs> um, you know, something like that, finding, you know, kind of finding a group of people, you know, finding a, a common cause that you all maybe you can have like some kind of local event for it or, you know, whatever the case may be. Um, it doesn't, you don't have to do everything, right? I, yep. And I think we kind of feel that way sometimes because we have so much thrown at us that it feels like, okay, I can't respond to all of this. It's just too much. And, um, so I think it, you know, and you know, is climate change. you know, do I understand the importance of it? Absolutely. Is it what I particularly focus on? No, but I have some really great friends who are doing really phenomenal work in that lane, in that area. Yeah. Yeah. And I support them whenever I can. Um, but that's, that's their thing and that's great. And then there's, you know, there's racial justice and there's, um, criminal justice reform and there's in, uh, voter registration, which, which is completely nonpartisan. There's a lot of really great nonpartisan groups. If you know, partisan politics kind of makes you itchy. Um, there's really great, you can still, there's still great voter education and registration because we should all, regardless of who we vote for, we should all be encouraged in that. Yes. Yes. And that's something we should be educated on and encouraged to do. And so that's something really great and usually pretty easy that you can do too, locally or on a bigger level, if that's something you wanted to do.
0: Well, and I think to some extent, you know, a lot of the overwhelm that people are feeling in the past year, it like, it's like we've become so numb to everything because so much has happened. So much has changed. Um, from going through a global pandemic, to unemployment, to politics, to social justice, like the world has literally changed as we knew it. And everything happened at one time. So I think it's a natural feeling to feel completely overwhelmed. But I also completely agree that it's less about trying to, you know, put the change fire in motion, and rather making it more of that change wave of like, what are little things that I can do consistently that are going to add up over time to really evoke change over time and less about the, okay, I have to do something right now, because I think that that's a natural reaction, um, especially in these heated moments, like what we saw yesterday of like, this has to change, we have to do something. But the reality is, is this has been built off of years and years and years and years of history and it just kind of came to a moment yesterday but this wasn't like this didn't develop overnight this we've been watching this building for months yeah. um we just watched it unfold yesterday but like we watched the precipice of what we were you know have been watching the last 4 years kind of come to a a spot i guess you could say but i i think that um because we've kind of watched that explosion. Like I said, I'm seeing a lot of people that are like, we got to get in the game. We got to do something now. But then it's like, you try to do too much. You become overwhelmed. Mm-hmm. Millennials natural reaction when they're overwhelmed retreat, retreat back up into corner. That's a no for me. Um, things go back to somewhat normal. And then a couple of weeks later, you're like, you've forgotten. Like, it's not that you've really forgotten about it, but like, you're not thinking about it actively anymore. You're not thinking about what those little things are anymore. You're not thinking about what, how you can be involved anymore. And it doesn't come back around until you see another thing happen. And then all of a sudden you're like, oh, right. I need to be involved and I need to do this. Um, and I think that like, that's just a behavior pattern that is pretty persistent across the generation that we just need to learn to be more aware of Um Because it's going to take us consciously acknowledging that it's a problem and that that's our natural response and like really thinking about how we're going to change that for ourselves. Like it, it can't just be a a quick fix. This isn't a quick fix. This is not a diet we're going on, right? Like it's, this is a lifestyle change um, that needs to carry forward with us.
1: Yeah. And I think we saw a lot of this too, when I remember this was just, last summer, although 2020 felt like 85 years, I'm
0: sure to everybody. <laughs> I know it feels like so long ago. And yet, it
1: really does. And it yet, was just yeah, a week ago. Oh. <laughs> oh gosh. Oh, 2020. Um, but I mean, but I think we saw kind of the same thing with the, um, with the racial justice and black lives matter, you know, move, I'll say movement that happened last summer. Um, that wasn't the first time that that's happened in our history as we know. And I think I saw, I, I know I saw a lot of my millennial friends and peers that had like like you said that had that initial reaction like oh my gosh this is happening this is so intense I have to do something now and we're posting all these things and sharing all these things and then it was like and then it was nothing and then yep. you don't you know and then we're on to the next you know traumatic wow. event or whatever yep. <laughs> we're on to the next thing the next fire um and I think and I saw a lot of um Especially during that time, during the Black Lives Matter thing, I, I saw a lot of really great Black activists that were saying, hey, "Hey, hey, white people, we so appreciate your allyship and your support, but we need you to understand that this is this is not a sprint. This is you know, yeah. you, you should be in this for the long haul, and so you should act accordingly. And um, and and you do. You get that fatigue of you know, like going, 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 and then you're like, okay." That was a lot. Mm -hmm. I
0: did a lot of things. Because what you were trying to do wasn't sustainable. It's not. For us to really make an impact in the world, you have to build behavior patterns and become engaged in a way that is truly sustainable. And I think that that's a big thing that people need to... That's something that, like, if you guys don't take anything else away from this episode, it's that to start playing a more active role, whether that's in your life, in politics, in your relationship, whatever... You have to build behavior patterns that are sustainable. Um, And that starts with breaking it down into manageable steps that you can take daily, weekly, monthly, not going balls to the walls trying to fix the world because we, no one can fix the world overnight. Like, I don't, I don't care who you are. You're just not going to fix the world overnight. So like, it's really more about those little incremental things and less about the, I need change now because unfortunately for as many years as it's taken to build this, it's going to take just as many to rebuild um, into what the nation should be or what we thought the nation was, or like there's just so much more to this than like what we are experiencing with these heightened emotions on the surface level right now
1: yeah and and taking it t- back to what you said about breaking it down into into steps and you know making these incremental changes one of the one of the greatest things you could do um, that's a smaller thing and that you can kind of do on your own time is is education like educate yourself about these particular yeah. things like we all have like again, like I'm sure we all have particular issues that resonate with us a little bit more than others, um, whether they be politically or um, different issues but you know really you know if that's something you truly you know see yourself okay this is this is the thing I can't do all of these things but I can do this thing okay i think everything really starts with education and i think that makes it easier too to kind of figure out what those next mm-hmm. steps are in ways that you can get involved in little things and changes that you can make in your life and the lives around those and, and those around you um i think that's definitely where it starts
0: yeah for sure so um I've spent the day pulling the audience and by pulling the audience, I mean, my close friends, um, (laughs) to just get their thoughts on, you know, kind of what happened yesterday. Um, you know, what their thoughts around how we as a generation are reacting to it are what, um, you know, what they're feeling about the future and and things like that. And so I just want to go through like, just touch on some of these things that I'm hearing from other millennials. And I think we can unpack them maybe a little bit to help people kind of work through them. Cause I think that a lot of these are pretty relatable. Um, so one of them said, you know, why do the older generations seem so surprised that this happened? Millennials could have easily predicted both this and the response. Why are there so many people surprised by this thoughts?
1: Yeah, that's a really great question um, that I've, that I've also scene um, because I am in the camp of, this was just a powder keg about to explode. You know, we kind of touched on that earlier. Like this was, this is something um, I made a personal post earlier uh, when this happened, that this was not, this was not random. This was not an accident. This was a culmination of rhetoric and complicity Mm-hmm. that created this, um, this particular event that we're talking about. We have tons of other systemic issues, you know, that we could talk about. But um, but this particular incident with the Capitol, um, that was not something that, you know, uh, that happened overnight that people did not see coming. I don't know if we saw it coming in this, this spectacular way in which it did, but we knew that, I mean, it was just... Jazz uh, hands, guys. Yeah, this maybe, is, yeah, this maybe, is a jazz yeah. hands moment. <laughs> Spectacular, um, and I think that um, I think there are probably more people of an older generation that maybe to, uh, maybe people who are like in this in this field and you know in in politics yeah. maybe they probably predicted but just like your average person um, I think I don't know that so much that they didn't see it coming I think people and this isn't a bad thing I think this is another conversation I had with someone earlier is they. They don't want to believe that we as America could, f- could falter to this kind of level, to, well, that something yeah. like this would happen yeah. on not, and not, I mean, and this was an attack by our own people, you know, by yeah. Americans. We were not being attacked by a foreign country. Um, and I think that that's a really hard pill to swallow. And it, and it is for anybody, regardless of whatever side mm-hmm. you're on, who you vote for, whatever. This, yesterday was a really dark day for America full Mm -hmm. stop. And, and I think that people just, um, have a hard time accepting that we as great of a country as we are, and we are in so many ways. Um, I think a lot of people have a really hard time accepting the ugliness that comes with that, the baggage that we carry as a country. And we don't talk about that enough again, because it's, it's a hard thing. It's a difficult thing. It's an yep. ugly thing, and that's why we don't talk about it. And that's why we don't discuss it. But we, if, but if we continue to kick the can down the road like we have for two hundred, it just bubbles years, up and explodes. You, you, we example, have this, a. example A, example exactly, and so yeah. which is why it's important in in this in these types of situations, and I imagine you would say in life in general, we have to process these hard feelings. We yeah. have to we have to do it. We have to face them. We have to process them. We have to deal with them because we cannot enjoy the greatness that is, that is, that is life or that this country has to offer if we don't also deal with the, you know, the other side of that.
0: Oh yeah. And I think too, that like, you know, something I've definitely seen um, just across, like in the last six months while I've been podcasting, right? Like the different generations process things in different amounts of time. So like, I feel like older generations and by older generations, I mean, anybody that's older than a millennial, um, they just, they have a little bit more of a slower reaction to things because they've always had the the time on their side to process it. Whereas millennials, I feel like we've been in this like fight for our lives stage since we entered the job market in 2008, 2009. Um, or at least, you know, that's when people my age specifically that are millennial centered the job market. Um, Me too. <laughs> yeah. So I feel like we've been in this fight or flight mode where like we have trained ourselves that like something happens and we must process it immediately. And I mean, I did this last night. Like I was texting a friend about this and I was like, man, I got to figure out like, it doesn't feel right to record this podcast episode that I was going to do. So like, I got to like, do I want to talk about this solo? Do I want to invite someone on to talk about it with? Like, what do I want to do? And I was so like, I have to do something, I have to do something, but I don't know what I want to do. And they were like, maybe you just need to slow down and like, there's a lot to process. Maybe you just need to slow down and sleep on it and you'll have more clarity around it in the morning. And I was like, oh, like, I I don't know. That just never crossed my mind of like, maybe, maybe I should just slow down and take a minute. But like, I feel like when I talked to my mom, it was completely different. Like she was mortified but what by what was happening but I also feel like she just processed what was happening so like in a completely different timeline than I did um yeah so like I woke up today and like felt like I had a lot of clarity around like how I knew that I needed to talk about it and work through it in order to process it whereas like she's still in more of a shell shocked phase of like she's not going to really be ready to process this and understand this for another however many days, right? So I just think that we sometimes have to give a little bit of, be a little more empathetic or um, compassionate towards um, different generations because they've all lived different life events. So like we've talked about the whole, you know, 9-11 was what defined us, but the, you know, Gen Z, like we talked about this in our last episode too. Like they dealt more with school shootings, but boomers dealt more with you know. So it's just there. Are, there's different things that have uh, different external circumstances that influence the way we process world events. Um, and assuming that everyone is processing in the same time or yeah, I guess time frame that you are um, is not. It's not the right way to look at it. Like it, it's really about showing. Grace and compassion and empathy towards other people and really understanding, helping each other to understand it and working through the process together um, rather than being like, well, they just don't get it. Because I don't think that that's it. I think it's just, yeah, we all we all work through it a little bit differently.
1: Yeah. And, um, and I would add to that, that we are also the generation of the internet and yes. And so we're so used to information, everything being instantaneous.
0: It's texting, right there. It's accessible.
1: Yeah. Tweeting everything. So, yeah. So I think that's another aspect of our quick processing things yeah. too, is because we feel like we have to respond. We have to know what's going on and then we're on to the yep. next thing. So I think that's, that's an aspect of that as well.
0: Um, Another, you know, um, comment that I had seen was, you know, is it too hopeful to think that this could be a wake up call to both prominent parties and that there needs to be less bipartisan stubbornness um, in governing right now? The job is the government is to serve the people and things have really gotten really far past that point. Um, And I think that that's something that's definitely like people are reacting to that on a really emotional level right now.
1: Yeah. Um actually on my um my television show that I taped earlier today my literally my sign off was I am hopeful that things will get better, not be corrected, but better because that's all I have is hope. Mm-hmm. That's all any of us have, really. Yep. Um maybe not all that we have, but it's a lot of what we have right now. And but I, but I mean that too. I, I do believe it um, to be true. I'm trying to, I part believe it part manifesting it, you know what I mean? Yes. Um, Yes. To be true. Mm -hmm. Um, But I do think because again, what happened yesterday was terrifying, was scary. Um, You know, I, I personally, and I'm sure most people would feel this way. I did not want anyone to get hurt, anyone involved. Um, But I do think for some politicians who have been a part of being, you know, divisive, you know, rhetoric and, you know, and not, and not building unity among parties, Mm -hmm. you know, on on, on both sides, you know, it's not just one party that does this, you know, it's, it's, yeah. so this is not me (laughs) throwing shade at one particular party. I will say, I feel like one does it more than the other. But I will. But but it is. But politics in general have become very partisan and very divisive. Yeah. And it's and it's and it's felt more like their team versus our team. And that's not how government should be run. Um, And I, I am hopeful that Joe Biden has has, you know, he ran his campaign on being getting back to normal, which I don't think that we're ever going to see any kind of normal after COVID and everything else we've experienced
0: in the past year. Not after 2020, no. No. I I just think we overused the term normal and I think that we've realized, or at least I hope that people have realized that like normal, there never really was normal. Like we just, everything is day by day and moment by moment and we need to learn to live in the present and not be looking on the past, hoping that that's going to come back, but also like looking towards the future with optimism. And like, I just think that like, we get so stuck on this word normal and I've watched my peer circles and my fans and family, like be really stuck on this idea of normal and like, normal is gone guys. <laughs> Let yeah. it go. Ignore the word. It doesn't exist. Normal means something completely different nowadays. So um Yeah.
1: Yeah. We've walked through the looking glass. Um, it's,
0: we're not going back.
1: And, um, but that's, but again, just like with hard things, it's, you know, not that I would ever want to go through what we all went through in 2020 and are still going through now and the credits of 2020, that is early 2021. Um, but when you go through hard things, they're hard in the moment, but it's an opportunity for you to learn and grow and change for Mm -hmm. the better. And I hope and then part of that hope for me. And so we've seen this horrific thing happen in our government. And I do hope, I mean, because I, honestly, I don't know how it gets much worse. I, I don't want to, I'm knocking on wood, everyone, uh, just so you know. But, you know, that that's a pretty low, low, what we experienced yesterday. And I do think, I mean, you saw it almost immediately. Um, there were some uh, uh, politicians who were going to argue more against the certifying of the electoral votes. And they just, and they even stated in their comments, it's in light of what has now happened. I don't feel, I feel like it would be irresponsible for me to try to challenge you know, it. Yeah, exactly. And so, um, so I think that we saw some minor changes. I think it's going to be, I mean, we got a long road ahead of us. Like you said, there's a lot of things, there's a lot of healing we have to do and mm-hmm. it, but it's not going to to start until we all start talking to each other again. I feel like we talk over each other. We talk past each yes. other. We talk about each other, um, <laughs> but we, but don't, we don't
0: talk to each, to other. each other, you know? Yeah.
1: And again, because you're, where you're having to have those hard conversations and, and it is difficult, right? I mean, I'm sure we all have, um, you know, and if you're like me, I'm a Good southerner, and I was raised. You don't talk politics is one of those taboo things that you do not discuss in mm-hmm. mixed company. And I think that, um, I think there is a way to do it and do it in a civil and respectful way to where mm-hmm. it does. And again, I think we come back to that millennial mentality like it's either going to be like we either don't talk about it at all or if we talk about it, it's going to be a fight, you know. And with yeah. some people, that may be the case. There's some people, I, I admit that it's you almost cannot talk to them about it without it becoming a very confrontational situation. But I think yeah. we've got, but we've got to try. We've got to try yeah. to find that common ground. I know we have probably heard this a lot, but we really do. And we do have more in common than we, than we don't. We truly do. Everybody wants good health care. Everybody wants a good education for themselves and their children. You know, everybody wants to be able to live a good life. And we just all just have different ideas of how to get there and what those yep. priorities look like. So if we can at least start there, I think we can start those hard conversations surrounding those particular topics and politics in general become a little bit easier. I'll say that I've it's something I've personally had to work on because I have a lot of family members, especially um, who see very differently than I do when it comes to pr- particular issues or politics yeah. in general. And I have some friends um, that it's tough. Um, they know not to bring it up around me because they don't want to. Yep. They don't want to go there, and that's and that's okay. But um, but until we try to really see the humanity in each other, that that's what it is. It's finding yeah. the humanity and the common ground among each other, and that starts in your inner. That's something that people can do, right? So when we're talking about the like, what's something you know, if, if you're listening this, wondering, what, like, is, what something is something I can do? Tangible,
0: you can do right now. Yeah.
1: Have people will, people who know you and love you, you can have those conversations with, and you can kind of, if they think differently than you, you are much more, they're going to be much more open to hearing you out and trusting you and understanding where you're coming from than if they hear some pundit on the TV, right? Like if I turn on a particular news station that will not be named and I'm watching that, I just get mad and turn it off because I'm like, these idiots don't know what they're talking about. But if I'm having a conversation with, say, like my stepdad, who we're very different um, in a lot of ways, but we love each other, um, it can be a little contentious sometimes, but sometimes we can have really fruitful conversations and kind of have a better understanding of each other. So um, when you start, you know, start small, but it does start with your that's something very easy, not easy, but something that tangible that you can definitely do is, is starting with your inner circles for sure.
0: Well, and I think too, it's it's about learning to be mindful about how you are approaching topics, right? So like, I think that often we, we assume that the other person understands why we've started a conversation or makes a statement. And oftentimes they have read into some subliminal context clue about how you batted your eyelashes or something stupid, right? And so like, They think that you're going a completely different direction with the conversation than you actually were. And so they're already on high alert because your body language told them they should be on high alert or whatever. So they go into it like ready to pick a fight over it because you've already given them some context clue that you're trying to pick a fight. When really you should have just said, hey, this is on my mind and I would really like to talk about it. Are you open to having the conversation? So I think it's also that we need to get better about communicating when we need to have hard conversations um, and doing it in a way that's both respectful to whoever you're having the conversation with while honoring who you are and your truth um, and not suppressing your feelings. Because I, like you said, it goes back to being able to talk about this in a way that is emotionally healthy. Um, Mm -hmm. And that means you're going to have to have some hard conversations and you're going to have to learn to navigate hard conversations. But I just think so much of having those hard conversations, whether it's about relationships or politics or whatever it is, starts with having that open communication of like, hey, this is a thing that's really not working for me or really struggling with or whatever. But like setting the scene for like, we need to have this conversation because I care about you and not coming at it from such a place of we need to talk about this because I'm heated in the moment. Because if you're at that point, you're not at a point that you're ready to have that conversation. And you need to think long and hard about why you're starting that conversation in the first place. Absolutely. And and,
1: and somebody's I know my response to if someone came at me like that, I'm automatically putting my defense up, right? You know, yeah. I'm I'm not like I, I'm already got a wall up and I'm not sure if I you know how to engage in this. And I think one of the things that I know I've learned and I've had and that, that I've been working on personally, um, Is if you're going to have a difficult conversation with somebody, whether it's about, you know, an issue or political thing or relationship, like you said, any, anything that's going to be difficult that you are pretty sure that, you know, you and this other person see differently on whatever the issue is, be a good listener, Mm -hmm. listen to them. Ask them questions. Why? Why do you feel that way?
0: What? Tell me more. Tell is me a more. a really good question. Yes. Tell me more because you're going to get to. It, it's an open ended question that's going to allow you to learn more. And I'm going to shamelessly plug. Go read my latest, um, my top five books for millennials to read because I learned that from Ask for More.
1: Oh, exactly. So, oh, that's so great. I'll have to remember that for myself. Um, but yeah, but but immediately, what that does is your coming at it from, you know, a a gentle way by, and you're engaging them, you are asking them to kind of set the tone and, and you're respecting them by listening and hearing them out. And then they are much more likely to hear you out if you've paid them that respect already up front. And I have, I have actually implemented that in hard, especially political conversations I've had with loved ones. And I will tell you nine times out of 10, it is, you know, I'm not going to say we you know, agreed and they, you know, everything is great. It. Yeah. yeah. Sunshine and rainbows, but yeah, <laughs> but but I learned a lot about them and why, and and that's the thing too, is that we all have, just like we've talked about different generations have different experiences that we individually mm-hmm. and collectively experience. We all have our individual experiences as well. And especially if we're talking cross-generational conversations yes. we're having too. Um, those are things that we really have to be mindful of. So we do, so we can't think of it. On this particular, you know, yes, I feel this way about this particular issue, but that's based on my personal experiences and how I view the world. And that other person I'm talking with is not going to have those same experiences or that same world viewpoint. And so we have to be mindful of that. That not everybody's coming, you know, unfortunately, not everybody's seeing things through our our eyes. And we have to
0: have, just have a greater understanding of each other. Agree, one hundred percent. Well, um, I know you and I could talk about this for hours, <laughs> but um, my, um, as I said last week, this is going to be another one of those, you need two car rides to listen to this episode kind <laughs> of episode. <laughs> so uh, I'm going to wrap this up, but thank you so much for jumping on this call with me last minute, Lisa. Like I literally last night slid into our DMs and was like, dude, we need to talk about this. And um, yeah, so um, I hope you enjoyed. I actually think there were some really good takeaways from this. So I'm actually really excited for you guys to um, to hear what you thought. And um, hang in there. The world is uh, a little bit scary at the moment, but we made it through 2020. We can make it through anything.
1: True. I was just going to say that we, we survived
0: 2020. We I feel those, like guys. we need t-shirts that say that. Yeah. <laughs> we survived 2020. What's next? 2021. We got this.
1: Yeah. Zero stars would not recommend.
0: Um, (laughs) (laughs) All right. Well, thank you so much for joining me. And on that note, friends, I will see you right back here next week. (laughs) Same time, same place. Okay, friends, I hope you enjoyed today's episode, but I want to take a moment to celebrate the fact that you showed up and put in the work, even if it felt hard. Growth doesn't always feel good, but it sure does mean you're leveling up in life. For show notes, blog posts, downloadable resources, and more, head on over to ButWhatIfYouDidPod.com and be sure to join our But What If You Did community insiders so that you never miss an update. Just scroll to the bottom of the screen and sign up for free. And if you vibed with this episode, I would love for you to leave us a review on Apple Podcasts telling us what vibed with you. This is the best way to help the podcast grow and I just love hearing how the pod is resonating with you. Simply take a screenshot of your review and send it to hello at alisonpolank.com. That's hello at at alysonpallanck.com, and I'll send you my exclusive Life Lessons Roadmap for Surviving 2021 workbook as a thank you. See you soon!